0: Welcome to the Football by Football podcast. Let's do it. And here we go. It's game day, folks. Matt Chatham here. This is the Real Thing Patriots podcast. As I mentioned on Twitter, we're doing this a little different way today. because It's game day, and we're recording the morning of, so we can get a little bit here into the, the details of what you would hyper-focus on if you're a team going into a, a game of 1 o'clock. You guys waking up, ready to roll what they've been thinking about, what they've been working on, and obviously we got to acknowledge here that this is a weird week because of Thanksgiving smack there in the middle and uh, what that affects uh, sort of the preparation for an NFL team. We can dive into that a little bit and just talk about What you're about to see here at 1 o'clock. That's the biggest and most important thing. Love doing a game day show. You know that I used to do that with my buddy Dale Arnold back in the day on WEI. Uh, We could just really focus on everything that's in front of you. No need to rear view very much. Uh just simply look at uh at game specifics. Love doing things like that. So let's just dive in. And you may notice here a little bit, a little bit, that uh I sound like Scuba Steve. Yes, I've got a cold. I've been battling this thing all week. Um, you know, sound like a little a little underwater talk today. I hope it's not too bad in your ear, uh, but it's what a lot of people in uh, this media stuff uh, deal with around these times of years and I, year. And I, I certainly haven't licked it. Um, last night on Saturday, I had to do uh, my ESPN games. FCS has now begun their playoff scenarios and uh we uh i had the unh game so up here local in, at the university of new hampshire for their first game of the season in the playoffs 14 years in a row for those dudes so uh you know it's it's a little local gym up here north of boston that you know we spend most of our time obviously talking about the nfl but some really solid small school football going on up there. It's not that small, 15,000 students. But, uh, at the FCS level, those guys are, are pretty, uh, pretty stout year in, year out. And they won. And, uh, UNH moves on. Uh, next week, I'll be at JMU, which again means nothing to a local New England audience, but it's James Madison. They won the FCS playoffs a year ago. Uh, They were the national champions and now once again they're undefeated this year. They are amazing. They're better than a lot of BCS teams and uh, anyway I don't know why I'm telling you all these details but I'll be traveling quite a bit and trying to fit in my NFL study between these games. So uh, let's get into this. I wanted to do this a little different, first off the top, to just kind of explain to people what goes on from sort of an insight standpoint on these weird Thanksgiving weeks. You see the the people show up on your tube or show up in the stadiums, and uh, they're ready to play games, but how do they pull that off in a weird week where, you know, all over the country, family is traveling, coming in, coming out, uh, you're having your celebrations, your big meals, you got to work an NFL practice schedule around this stuff somehow, somehow, some way. And they pull it off, and thought one of the unusual scenarios this week uh, is beyond just simply trying to figure out how you 're going to do that. The Patriots are coming off this weird three leg trip that they talked about, which they aced uh, by heading out to Denver, going up to that elevation, licking uh, someone had been sort of rival ish uh, in years past, uh, knocking them off pretty convincingly, heading over to Colorado Springs to get more work at elevation, then heading down to Mexico City to bat around the Raiders and then head home. And and one of the, the most telling things you could get from that was the post comments. I know people <laughs> like to have fun with and joke with coach Belichick and the things he says from the podium, but there was some there was some insight there that you had to had to pay careful attention to uh, to pick up on, but he went in he went out of his way. He was effusive in his praise of staff players obviously yes how hard they work how much they've put into this how difficult the three legs were how proud he was that they overcame and all that kind of stuff. Those sounds like sound like pretty rote comments, the kind of complimentary stuff you expect a coach to say. But he went over the top to mention how much of a strain it is on the organization the organization is the 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 support system the people around it the 50 plus bodies in there that are helping get the team to game day from all the little preparations from body work to food to logistics to media relations to to the the media people the craft sports production people that that i that i work with for the our show patriots this week there Uh, those guys are those guys are really taxed in situations like this and it kind of feels like a little in-season playoff sequence or almost super Esque like mini Super Bowl, because you know a lot of the organization travels. It takes a lot of apparatus to get that thing up and going in, in three different locales, and uh, you know it can it could be a little mini bomb in the middle of your year, just you know taxing people so much that it somehow strains them coming out the other end. I don't think this organization will ever respond that way. I think they'll they'll handle it expertly as they have. But it was an acknowledgement that. This was not easy. It may have looked easy. This is not easy, and uh, surprisingly, uh, mildly surprisingly, Coach Belichick gave them Monday and Tuesday off. Said, "See on, see on Wednesday," which is is uh, honey to the ears, honey in ear. Maybe that's not the best uh, best metaphor. You don't want honey in your ears. But it's music to your ears. It's it's a good thing uh, as a player, as the season starts to drag on, it gets hard, it gets long, your body gets a little beat up, you're holding things together, winning football games. When you find out you get a couple of days of reprieve, it really it's put a little juice in you. You get to go spend some more time with family. So why does that matter? Well, because usually in a Thanksgiving week, you juggle left and right, both sides of Thursday, right? Because you know Thursday needs to be a, pretty light day because you're going to go do the big family thing uh you may not detect it from the podium but Belichick is is very big on family and family time and spending time with your loved ones especially around these holidays so they try to work around that as best they can So to me, the the unusual aspect here, knowing how practice schedules typically work on this Thursday, is you need time prior to the Thursday. You need to juice it up a little bit before Thursday, knowing that Thursday will be lighter than normal so that you can then spill on the backside of it, still accomplish all the things you'd want to in a normal work week to get ready for Sunday. A very important Sunday because, as we know, today is the Patriots' uh, big game with the Miami Dolphins. Yes, some of the juice is out of that game because the Miami Dolphins have sputtered a bit. But it still matters no differently uh, on the on the on the uh, on their schedule for the season or on their on their record because this one's a division game and it counts as much as any of the others. So one of the things here, though, that we'll sort of kind of detail is how this would have worked and how much stress is on the team because they chose to go this way to play well today on Sunday. You expect them to play well. You, you've seen them ace a lot of tough tests, and now you get a, 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 a somewhat scuttling Miami Dolphins team for traveling north on a short week. I think that's actually important to mention here as well, If you had this unusual set of circumstances that the Patriots do, at least you're not the traveling party. That's a big deal. Miami has to come up here to the cold, moderately moderately cold, and get this done. Uh, But the Patriots opted for no work until Wednesday, meaning they weren't able to do anything extra Monday, Tuesday. So you have to be an ace in your playbook. You have to be an ace into your advanced study stuff with the Dolphins. You're aided a little bit by the fact that you know the team some, but again, the NFL teams change each and every year. Yeah, you know there's Cameron Wake. Yeah, you know Ndamukong Suh. You know a little bit about Matt Moore. The backs are new. You know most of the... You know, most of the wide receiver group fairly well. But, you know, there's still some getting up to speed relative to what they've been playing, what's been working for them, offensive line shuffling, things like that. So you can't just show up and say, yeah, I know Miami and, and kind of get out of your playbook. You'll get screwed by the end of the week. And Belichick will be quizzing you and, and trying to throw things at you to make sure you're on top of it. So. What this means is that they still went ahead and did a Thursday. So there was still Thursday work uh, there over at One Patriot Place. And then they break to go allow you to have a nice afternoon and dinner with the family. But... From a player standpoint, because you're trying so much to stay on top of your body, uh, you don't want to you know, put on three or four or five pounds and then come back heavy on Friday and then end up having to live in the sauna with a, a rubber suit on or something to try to pull off a few pounds so you don't you know, cramp or have issues on Sunday. So it's tough because you still want to do the time. You still want to have your big piece of turkey. You want to still get into some stuffing and, and all the other little accoutrements uh, that make Thanksgiving fun. But you still have to have an eye on the prize, and that's what makes it difficult. And because you're cutting out a little, not cutting out, but making the front end lean like it normally is, you really, really, really have to focus when you come back from the meal to do a very serious Friday to make sure Saturday is, is almost like a work day. And Saturday may end up maybe, being I don't know specifically their their practice itinerary from the weekend, but maybe a little more rigid than normal, maybe an hour or two extra of film you know session stuff getting up on top of the ga- the game plan that they've adopted for the week even more walk-through time that's not unusual uh because of the little mini bomb in the middle uh, and because uh, i'm sorry the bomb in the middle of the week and that's that's what this is all about so as you see these guys step out here on on at one o'clock here on a, on a sunday trying to knock off these dolphins you know it's not you know they're not out there pouring concrete they're not out there uh you know, cleaning toilets, it's, you don't have to feel sorry for them. It, it, it's hard work, but it's 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 gainful work. So I, I think these guys, uh, they, they've they have earned their money this week, and they're going out there to try to put on a good performance for you guys and, and stand up well for one another. Uh, but I thought that context would be helpful to understand a little bit what's going on and that these weeks are not easy for players. Um, and not that, you know, being a little bit tired of a little beat-ups is a big deal, but uh, it's important to come out and put your best on the field. And we'll all be watching to see if they're able to pull that up. So let's dive into this game. And and here's sort of the way I wanted to frame this this week because it is a little unusual. It's Thanksgiving week. We know that. I wanted to play a little music in the background, but I don't know what pilgrim rock would be or i don't know it's, it feels holiday-ish but there's no tunes to play in the background around my house we already started playing our little sonos the little uh, little speakers that bounce all around all the rooms and uh started into the christmas music already so i don't know if a thanksgiving show with christmas music in the back makes sense so i held off on that i wanted to find a way here to get in the spirit a little bit so at least we're gonna we're gonna do a device we're gonna do a theme this up here a little bit and we're gonna do a thanksgiving pregame show and what i mean by what i mean by that we're going to think about the things that you have to be most thankful about for your Patriots team as they head into this important late-season division game. Five things that you as a Patriots fan, that this team as an organization, that these players as compadres in a locker room, should be most thankful for. It's not listed here in any particular order. It's just five items that I thought were the most important things that you should know and appreciate about this team as they head into this particular contest against the Miami Dolphins. So let's sort of frame things that way and dive right in one of my one of my little sort of uh i don't know if i i'd call it sort of an addendum a little thing that sits at the bottom of everything we say each week cuz we talk a lot about this patriots team we turn them inside out Try to look at all angles. There hasn't been a lot of Rob Gronkowski talk, and you may have noticed that much like I have. That, you know, it's not been like a wire to wire Gronk talk. And you may think in your head, know, "Oh, does that mean he's falling off? Does that mean he's, you know, not the same player as he once was? Is he no longer as dominant?" And and one of the things that I would say, well, I, and obviously you know my answer to that is that's nonsense. But one of the things that I look at a lot with that that makes it difficult to understand players through production stats only is it doesn't tell the story of how much they're being given attention by the defense how much are they the center of a game plan and um, my first here thing to do as, as a New England fan should be thankful for be extremely thankful that you have Rob Gronkowski, the best tight end in football on a one-off basis, the best tight end in football at the skills that are required to do the position. I don't care what the stats say. Flip on the tape, watch him. He's as difficult a matchup as there is out there. But you should be thankful that going into this Miami game, you have a healthy Rob and you have – a healthy Rob who's been modestly used over the last month or so going into a contest against the Dolphins team that has had particular problems with NFL tight ends. They've given up the second most receptions in the NFL to tight end position. So that's going to come up big today. I think I think uh, I doubled down on Patriots this week there with, at the stadium with uh, with Zolak and Bob Sochi and myself. We, I went back to Rob as, as a guess on a player of the week kind of situation because... He's been getting sort of these modest touches, and I expect at some point it's going to explode once the defense shifts away from him. You see him have three target weeks. You see him have four catch weeks. Low, modest stuff. Three, three last week against the Raiders, four against the Broncos, five in a bigger week against the Chargers with a touchdown, but, and then three again against the Falcons prior to that. So, you know, it's a month straight of just three ish's and four issues and nothing too over the top. Certainly no 100-yard games there. Just one touchdown in the four weeks. The reason I think him being healthy and him being in that situation is super advantageous is because, God bless, bring the attention away from that guy. Make a defense watch tape and say, yeah, you know what, they're not turning to him nearly as much. Let's go concentrate assets elsewhere defensively. And I think that would be an error. And I think when you go back and watch the tape from these games, particularly the Broncos game, particularly the the Raiders game, even the Chargers a little bit, That was a game where he had more production. There's a lot of attention for Rob. A lot of attention. You know, you have the two elements, two help elements that I always talk to you guys on here about. Where you know, if you're going to rush four, you're going to cover up all the all the eligibles. You have an option of two people to help. That might be a second safety in the deep part of the field and a second low help player, maybe a linebacker, maybe a safety rolled down in nickel, something like that. That's an extra person to help and. You know, more often than not, that extra help person is dealing with Rob Gronkowski. So I look at this Miami game, and I look at Julius Thomas. Uh, well, he's on; he's going to be on the other sideline. But some of the guys that they that you know. That you think of as the more comparable Gronk guys, like the Gronk lights, the people that are sort of in the rest of the conversation. Some of them, Jared Cook is one example there in Oakland, really got after uh, this Dolphins defense. And it wasn't a matter of catching through double coverages. It wasn't a matter of winning you know, some great matchup with their specific linebacking core. I mean, I can, we can go down the list here of who their people are and who he'll be dealing with. Kiko Alonzo is obviously a part of that group, the weak side linebacker, who may draw Gronk from time to time but because Gronk is a tight end that means he's to the tight side the strong side wherever he is is typically going to draw your Sam or Mike linebacker your Sam here for these guys is Lawrence Timmons uh, you can see a little Chase Allen the younger guy there number 59 that may be over him occasionally Mike Hull is a middle linebacker so think more your Mike and Sam that might draw some of or half of that responsibility low against Gronk but more the safety group I think getting involved but they're coming down, so that second element, your safety rolled down, your other guy that's sort of spine aiding, trying to half part of that coverage to keep Gronk from making plays. That stuff didn't work against Oakland. Uh, he was actually Jared Cook himself was actually cut free several times. It was like, wow, big game for Jared Cook. Is Jared Cook beating up on his particular one-on-one or beating doubles or whatever? No, they they cut him free a lot, which was weird to me. So I half wonder as they head into this Miami game, if the Dolphins kind of do what they do and and, and spot drop and try to catch and, and soft soft protect against a guy like Gronk, or do they go aggressively against the line and you look back to a week here where you are three, four, or 5 or whatever as far as catches. I think this is going to be a fun game. Specifically for Gronk uh, to get after it, Uh, maybe they give the attention late, but I'm expecting an over five catch game. I'm expecting a a high red zone target game, maybe a touchdown in there somewhere, but this just has the kind of setup, the kind of feel for big Gronk game. You should be thankful that you have him in the situation that he is now, and maybe a defense that might be persuaded from film study to put a little less attention to him because things have gotten mild. That's a good thing here in New England. Now we head to number two, the second thing that you should be thankful for as a fan of this team and uh, you know it's something that has obviously been one of the top storylines of the year. It's the running back group and my view personally is that you should be thankful as a New England fan that you have running back uncertainty that you have this incredibly deep group of backs that none of us know (laughs) are going to get the majority of the touches week in, week out. You may say, oh wait a minute I'm not thankful of that. I'm, I'm a little frustrated by that. That frustration is good if you if you share that feeling of not knowing and a little bit of frustration think how it is to be a defensive coordinator and say you know we have a set of packages of plays that goes with James White we have a different one that goes with Deion Lewis we have a different one that goes with Rex Burkhead and we have some other expectations if Mike Gillisley plays and don't be surprised people as I'm taping this early in the morning on Sunday we don't know the game day Inactive yet, so we don't know if there's going to be a situation where Mike Gillisley's apps actually up. I won't be surprised if it happens, and I don't think you should either. Uh, I think the factor that matters there most is is that it appears that that uh, that Bennett Michael Bennett is not going uh, not Michael Martellis the Marty's not going to be up at the uh, at the tight end position. He's been banged up this week, not practicing as much. So in the event that this is the week where he goes down for a second they could be tempted to come back to that four tight end, four back situation. So obviously independent here, Brandon Bolden. So what I'm sort of getting at here, the notion of being thankful for this, is not so much from a fantasy football standpoint where all of us as fans want to know who's going to have the big game and predict it and and, and start to feel good, buy a jersey of one of the four or something like that. Uh, I think it's more just understanding that that uncertainty is something to be exceptionally gracious for it's uh, happy for excuse me grateful for you want to be you want to be glad that the team has constructed themselves the way they have on two fronts Game planning uncertainty because the other team's not going to know exactly what kind of play sets are going to come. It's really tough to get into to guessing percentages from personnel groups when the back changes. Here's my example. It's 12, Say it's 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers on the field. That's a set that the Patriots use a good amount of. But it's 12 personnel with Deion Lewis. Now it's 12 personnel with James White. Well, now it's 12 personnel with Rex Burkhead. The way it works as as a defensive player, and and there is an analytics component to football. I I was involved in this stuff in the early 2000s with the Patriots. This stuff isn't new as far as building subsets, uh, building spreadsheets that filter and take out the relevant information and then drill it back down into a a statistic that you can rely upon. upon. And a lot of that might be, hey, hey, in 12 personnel uh, from this down in distance, they are 78% run. Like a really good nugget, get up over 65% and you start to feel really good about it. What's different with the Patriots is 12 can be any one of three, maybe a fourth guy. And it blows it up. So you actually have a new thing, a new little measurable, new input thing there to sort it even further. And it becomes very convoluted. It becomes unnecessarily confusing. So as a defense, you kind of just have to play it straight because if you go out there and say, hey, you know, in 12 personnel with Deon Lewis in the game, it's actually an entirely different percentage. Maybe it's 32% versus, you know, the 70 number with the other guy. So that that screws you up. It just makes it so as a defense, you can't have a tendency related to that stuff. You can't walk out and say, well, hey, we're going to put pressure package. We're going to actually run blitz. You know, not blitz to get sacks, but blitz to pressure a run portion. We know where the point of attack is going to be in most of these formations. We think it's a high percentage. We can go get them. The way the Patriots have constructed themselves. You cannot do that against this team, otherwise, or you're just guessing. You know, you're going to the casino floor and, and 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 making it up. You know, and that's that's a very dangerous place to be. So, as long as the four of these guys stay healthy, and I'm including Gillisley there, I think at some point he'll be back in and have a role. As long as the four of these guys stay productive, um, the one guy who's fallen off a little bit, and not from you know quality of performance or anything like that, but it's been a little unusual to see James White's touches go down. I think you know we expect him to be the high guy. You remember the super bowl where he had so many different so many different plays so many big time plays so many important conversions scores as well uh to now being i think actually the low touch guy a week ago in oakland amongst the three so we go into this game today against the dolphins not knowing how they're going to use one another Uh, and not know how Ivan Fears is going to to put his guys out there, not knowing how Josh McDaniel is going to sort of orchestrate this whole thing. And that is a huge, huge benefit to an offense and a very big detriment to a defense who's trying to figure out what you're going to do. Now, the second side of that coin, the back stuff, and the depth there and the uncertainty and the fact that they've sort of constructed their roster with these four medium-priced guys that can do a lot of things. And you know, people out there, if you're trying to – be upset that Mike Gillisley has got, got some money and hasn't had a huge role in the last few weeks. Understand he's a very valuable insurance policy, so whatever it is they paid him, they didn't pay him Le'Veon Bell money. He gets a nice number. You've dreamed he'd have a bigger role. He hasn't, but that doesn't mean he isn't still awfully valuable at that number because if any of these guys get nicked, he can walk in in a minute and get a 15-touch game and have 60, 70, 80 yards and a touch or two. So he can still do that. He's still valuable in that regard. And... What I like is that none of the the guys uh, are, are singular, singularly expensive. They're modest enough in all four group that it's sort of smooth production, smooth cost, smooth allocation. And that's very important because you don't blow it up with, say, a, a $10 million back that's injured. It's not that situation here. So you go into game day, and actually this part is a part of that other side of the coin that I'm talking about. You go into game day, and you might have thinness elsewhere. And we know that's been the case. Chris Hogan... Malcolm Mitchell, Julian Edelman, surprise. Three real major, uh, at least preseason prediction kind of stuff guys that you would expect to be a huge part of it have missed giant chunks. Jules gone for the year, Malcolm gone to this point, still hopeful that he'll be back off IR. Chris Hogan banged up, but productive, kicking butt, and then now down with the shoulder for at least a couple weeks. So the importance of having that deep, uncertain, who the hell are these guys and how are they going to fit in each week back group a lot of those guys are lining up straight as wide receivers. It's not break the huddle, line up at the backfield next to Tom and motion out to wide receiver. Rex Burkhead, one of his biggest plays, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, he lined up straight out. You know, It was his first game back. I think it was against the Chargers. Just lines up straight out uh, as wide receiver, as the X. Extended away from the formation, true wide receiver, backside. Maybe there's three on one side, him as the only on the backside of it. That's not a running back playing wide receiver. That's just a wide receiver. When the back starts in the backfield and flexes out and ends up in the slot or he starts in the slot, motions back into the backfield, motions across the formation from slot to slot. That's the stuff where you get into a back kind of screwing with one of my playing, who's going to grab me, is it going to be safety or, or linebacker, they're willing with this group to just say, you guys are running, you guys are wide receivers, you know, and, and, and tempt the other side, go the other side into potentially thinking of them that way, guarding them with defensive backs as opposed to linebackers, either bigger safety. So that's a benefit you got. That's something I I strongly believe you should be thankful for. It helps you on so many fronts. Now let's head into number three, Thanksgiving Day here, uh, Thanksgiving weekend here, excuse me. And a number three thing that I think Patriots fans should be Extra thankful for this this new holiday season as we head out of Thanksgiving and head into Christmas. Be thankful as you head in against these Dolphins that you actually have the perfect cornerback threesome to go against a pretty dangerous threesome that the Miami Dolphins bring to the forefront here uh, at the wide receiver position. I think that's important because if we're having this conversation in September, I know the feelings about uh, this cornerback group was different. Stephon Gilmore was struggling with some things that were busts. There were issues, there were just some struggles getting acclimated and up to speed with the defense, getting the communication right, getting the execution of the defense's exchanges on the back end correct, just playing the techniques that they they teach. So that takes time. I think we're at a point where that's mostly behind them, and you can now look to how do they match up? Who's good here? Who do you need and why do you need to be, I think, in my view, sort of specially constructed uh, to be able to go against and do well against the Dolphins team? They're a little bit like the Patriots that they've got receiver depth where the third and sometimes fourth guy can still be a productive week-in, week-out kind of situation. Devontae Parker, he's your taller, bigger, more athletic, the go-get-it guy, the talent, the maybe one-day 1,000-yard thousand receiver, thousand receiver, not quite there now. Uh, you know. And it's going to be with Matt Moore up. Is the relationship the same as it otherwise would have been with Jay? Who knows? But to me, that's the guy that draws Stephon Gilmore. So Devontae Parker, tough singular matchup. Hasn't been as big of a factor in the offense as I think Miami themselves dreamed and and spoke uh, pretty loosely about uh, back in training camp for themselves. He did get nicked up and missed some time, so that plays into it if you have a uniquely athletic and uniquely he's the one-handed grab guy on the sideline on back shoulders he's the go get it guy jump balls you know posts and fades and things like that where he can win one-on-one balls with guys it's good to have gilmore because that's really where he excels in the one-on-one downfield stuff with a with a comparable athlete he's your best guy in those kind of situations you're you should be thankful of having him going into this particular matchup we had down the list of the three-for-three three kind of situation. I'll, I'll get into a little argument here. There might actually be four-for-three. Uh, but that that it now includes, in my view, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is, one of the, is the tough guy, the guy that's super competitive, the guy that's small but shows up a lot in the red zone, the guy that's a bit of a route master, real good run-and-catch guy, can be involved downfield, but maybe more from the slot. So uh, he's not a fade guy on the outside nearly as much. But his toughness, the way he blocks, the way he just competes for balls, the way he, he balls with it once he get it in his hands, that, I, in my view, that draws you, Malcolm Butler, each and every day, because if basically, if you're going to describe a wide receiver with Malcolm Butler's qualities as a cornerback, that's I think these guys will be banging heads all day, and it'll be a fun matchup to watch. Their their mentalities a lot the same. They're very aggressive guys. They're both super competitive. I love that matchup. Now I don't know. I'm this is a prediction. I have no idea how Matty P and Coach Belichick are going to try to match these guys, uh, but. I think it's a nice matchup. I think it's one you should feel comfortable with, that they draw one another that way. I do think Malcolm could bounce in and out of, you know, he could even do some some Devontae Parker time easily. But I think it's it's a fun and entertaining one if you get Malcolm versus, uh, versus Jarvis Landry. And it's one that, again, you're thankful that you don't necessarily have a deficit in as far as competitiveness. You have an uber-competitive guy going against their uber-competitive guy that's tough as nails. You got nails, they got nails. That one should be fun. I think, again... You're good to have the depth you have to match up that way. And now the third one, and this is where it gets important, and this Kenny Stills at the wide receiver position has been a bit of a revelation for these Dolphins. Uh, Kenny Stills is number 10. You'll find him out there and uh, make him plays. Uh, Surprisingly so, he's had several big weeks this year where these other named guys, have. you go into the game plan, you go into the season – not knowing exactly, or excuse me, the game week, not knowing exactly where the attention's going to be. I know there were obviously weeks where Jay Ajayi before the trade to Philly was going to be more of the focus. And then, you know, the attention goes to the Big Sexy and, and Devontae Parker, and then Landry gets a lot of shine. And I think there's been those weeks, multiple over 100-yard gains for Kenny Stills with really backbreaker plays. Uh, big, deep overs that he gets cut loose and he runs away from people. Uh, you know, big, deep downfield outside stuff where he, he's running deep comeback, and he's shaking his guy and broken plays and and making 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 plays all over the football field. So Kenny Stills is a guy that I, I think. You know, isn't going to be up the charts in as far as week in week out receptions and yards, but he absolutely deserves your respect. So you got to be good at your third. You can't have a slouch at the third spot because that's generally where they 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 make their hey, Send your attention to uh, our, our our running game. Well, not so much now with with young guys Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake back there, but send you know send your attention to stopping us and run first. Send your coverage extras over to Parker or send your coverage extras low to to, to Landry. Go ahead and do that and watch. Ken- he Stills win one-on-one if you're not good enough at that spot. And that's why I think this thankfulness for your good 3-for-3 three three match is so important this particular week. Because really, Jonathan Jones perfect matchup for that. Jonathan Jones is is every bit as competitive as Malcolm Butler. He wins all the time. I think he has the ability to slide in and out from Landry or Butler, or excuse me, from Landry or Stills. So you have some flexibility there. You don't have to chase them over the formations. You can flop. Uh, but Jonathan Jones' ability to really take on other guys like that who are high competitive, can be productive guys from the third, and not just be some team's third slouch, that's important. It's good that you've had, had Jonathan Jones in sort of a, a spike spike sort of role situation you heard the effusive praise from some of his buddies on the team there I heard a quote here this week from uh, from Devin McCordy where he talked about him anticipating years from now coming back here as a former Patriots player and finding Jonathan Jones as a captain on the team or, or you're one of the highly involved veteran long-time guys on the team that's just what people expect from this guy that's what they think of him and I think again it's so important that they found gold there at the third spot because you fall into weeks like this where no the quarterback is not high-end. It's not You're not getting a Pro Bowl quarterback. You're not even, You're certainly not getting the elite stuff. This isn't Drew Brees or one of those guys. But you're getting a competent quarterback and a bevy of, of good targets, really good targets. And fortunately, you've got the ways to match them. Now, I said the three for three. I think that is your thing to be thankful. that They've got three. You've got three real goods. What makes you even better is you've got a fourth. Jonathan Bonamosi has come in and, and competed extremely well. He's in a pinch uh, able to, to really do any of the things that either of those Other two are, maybe not Stephon Gilmore, a little different skill set there, but with the other guys, you you can sub him in a pinch, and I still think you've got a great three for three. That's a nice matchup to be thankful for with your New England Patriots. Now... This is uh you know this is the fourth thing and it's on my list and it's I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not going to go over the top on this it's not that I've weighted each of these five thankfulness things uh equally I just think this is worth noting this this may be personal bias uh and so I'll acknowledge that off the front end and maybe I'm a little over my skis on this one but I think you should be thankful that in this meaningful game that this thing is in New England uh when you're facing the Miami Dolphins I, Now, does that sound like a silly, super obvious point? Yeah, of course it does. Oh, be thankful you've got Miami up here? Well, yeah, it's in the schedule. They're in the division. That has to happen. What I mean by this is this is my weather bias. And I know we're not getting, you know, weather in the teens and snow or anything like this today. I use NFLweather.com, especially for any of you out there that, that, that gamble or do fantasy or anything like that where you're trying to predict if conditions will affect things um i talk about my bias this comes back to as a player playing the dolphins every year in the division knowing when they come up you've got a roster of 53 guys you've got your zach zach thomas's you've got your james uh you know, excuse, excuse me, james you've got uh, uh taylor i don't know why i can't think of his first name but you know the big time guys they're the really good players that are going to play really well in all conditions and they're going to ball one way or the other but on a 53 man roster there are holes There are people there that have been used to practicing down in South Florida week in, week out that – get off the plane and are not acclimated to this. They just aren't. You see it in pregame warm-ups. You see the guys that want to put sleeves on. Today, uh, from NFL Weather, the, the site that I use, uh, they're just showing 43-degree weather, so we know that's, that's pretty mild, actually, for this time of year, but with a 13-mile-an-hour wind. So a 13-mile-an-hour wind in this early afternoon, 43 by the time you get to the end of the game time, 4, it starts to get closer to the dark. That 43 will feel like more of a mid-30s number, especially with that 13-mile-an-hour wind. I'm not sitting here doing the windshield predictions for you. But just know that from a player field-level perspective, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. And all you need to know is it'll be non-Miami. And the Miami Dolphins have a long history of coming up here and laying eggs. The dolphins legs, Yeah, they're mammals, I think. (laughs) So that means no eggs. I don't know. Don't, don't divert me into science. I suck at that stuff. But anyway, the the dolphins have a long history of coming up here and doing poorly. And it it cannot be overlooked that these conditions up here are so incredibly dissimilar to theirs that it's part of why they fail. It's part of why they fail. One time a, a head coach is going to come in there and realize, you know what? We have a decade-long history of going up there and sucking, playing different than, dramatically differently than we do down there. They need to bring a Dolphins team up here on a Tuesday and, and stay for a week. They need to do that. If you have a late November or December game, they need to make that change. They need to make that investment and try for once to finally be on even playing field with the team when you show up. It's usually not. Be thankful that the Dolphins continue to do this this way, You got your blood thinned out, you're out there in that 80 degree heat, practicing, 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 hop on a plane, show up here and it's 30 and it affects your ball handling it affects your willingness to go into a hit it affects your willingness to you know to sort of bounce back from hitting off that hard 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 field uh, and it doesn't affect every guy it doesn't have to affect every guy you, you know you might have 80% of the roster that that doesn't phase one bit that's saying hey Chatham, what you're saying is crazy i'm not worried about the 80% i'm worried about the 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 20%, the smaller portion that does play a little differently than the otherwise would. That's where you go at. The guys that don't tackle quite the same because it's a little colder. Those are the guys that provide advantages. Be thankful that these Dolphins do things the way they do, that they're coming up to your place unprepared. You couldn't be prepared unless you came and did it in this situation and watch them lay an egg again. Uh, One of the most overwhelming examples for me of that is their playoff game a year ago where they just came and just got bombed on by the by the uh, by the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh on a, on a cool day. I they did not look prepared. They did not look like they wanted to tackle in my view early in that game. The the, the physical nature that you need to play in South Florida needs to be the same that you play up here when it gets cooler. Watch for just a little bit of recession, a little bit of pullback from who they usually are. Be thankful that game is up here. The final thought here, things to be thankful for. My fifth thankful thing as a Patriots fan, or if you're out there watching this team and you want to feel good about what they can get done this week, this should be, in my view, almost the num- you know in the running for one of the biggest stories of the season for this team. I put it very near that back production group, the addition of Brandon Cooks, things along those lines. And that is the gold that they found at offensive tackle. What, 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 what? I know, I know. I'll back you up a second. I know some people out there are thinking, well, wait a minute, wouldn't they have an unusual amount of sacks back in September and wasn't that like a talking point? It was. It's not relevant now. And I think one of the situations that helps you appreciate what you've got in this tackle group, and I'm talking about all four of them. I'm talking about Nate Solder. I'm talking about Marcus Cannon at the right, who's now injured. I'm talking about... uh, Cameron Fleming as one of the backups, and also Adrian Waddle as the other. Why is that such a big, important thing? Because of the stretch of edge players they've had to go against. The best in the game. You've had Bosa. You've had... uh, You've had uh, Von Miller. You've had Mac out there in Oakland. Now you're getting this week uh, Cameron Wake again. And we all know how good he is. You've seen a stretch of the best. It's, that's as good as it gets in the NFL. Those are the guys. And in that stretch, you didn't have Marcus Cannon, who played near all pro level a year ago. Should have been a pro bowler kind of guy. He was right at that level. One of the best right tackles in football a year ago and has been banged. He played at a high level earlier in the season, maybe not quite the same as the year before, but still playing like a top-end right tackle. But then he gets banged up. He's gone. And what happens? You found gold. Cameron Fleming plays at a high level. Adrian Waddle has played at a really high level. So how, how and why is it that important that those guys do it Look at the Dallas Cowboys. There's your example. The Dallas Cowboys lose Tyron Smith, their good left tackle guy, and again. I think the uh, maybe Jason Peters is an argument there down to Philly, uh, but basically the best left tackle in this game. He's a stud. He's you know he's the prototype. You you would in the lab. That's how you build an offensive tackle. Smith is long and strong and athletic and aggressive, and he's just so very good. When he's gone, and they've had some other injuries there uh, along the line, all of a sudden. Dallas doesn't function. It's crazy. I mean, I know Ezekiel Elliott's gone, Elliott's gone, but the tackle loss was was no bigger a part of that problem. So this Patriots offense has not had you know fourteen point swing weeks because one tackle is gone. And why? Because they found the right guys. They got them in their system. And Cameron Fleming, who I know a lot of people, were, a lot of people were not necessarily high on a few weeks ago. Or, I'm sorry, back in training camp and scratching their heads and saying, "Oh, tackle depth in the NFL t- sucks." You know, tackle depth just isn't what it used to be. I think this is a pretty great example that, at least on this team, tackle depth is awful good. But Adrian Waddle walks in and blocks. Mac, you know, I mean, what else What else can you ask of? That's as high of level as it gets and doesn't have problems with him, wins a lot of the matchups, keeps him off of him. Yes, there are chips involved occasionally, but a lot of it's one-on-one too. Run blocks him well. Uh, and Cameron Flynn, we've seen him step in at other times and play at a high level himself. Are they both Pro Bowl tackles? No, but there's not some monstrous drop-off from these guys where you have some new issue, and that has kept the train rolling. You cannot oversell it. I cannot oversell it. The thing to be thankful for here, as much as any of these things we've talked about, is tackle health has been an issue, and the position hasn't been a problem in being able to execute what you want to execute. So that, to me, is something that we can keep an eye on this today. But beyond just knowing you have one to fill in in the case of emergency, you have two. Cameron Fleming and Lee Adrian Waddle could easily, in my view, step out and play left and right, and you could survive and play at a level commensurate to what you usually do as far as overall offensive output. That is a big story. That is a big change. I don't think a lot of people saw that necessarily being the case. If they're looking back a year ago, if they're looking in camp this year, it's uneven. It's difficult to tell. But that's a, it's a great tip of the cap and you know, sort of a... a, a a little sidebar here to your thankfulness about this tackle group be thankful that you have uh, dante scarneccia there getting those guys tuned up because the improvement since they've walked into the door with cameron fleming and Adrian waddle it's been huge and, and the coach takes takes a lot of that shine he should uh because he should be credited with getting those guys up and rolling being hard on them on their technique uh Forcing them, and force is maybe the wrong word, but really compelling them to play a certain way, to use certain techniques, to not fall into laziness, not fall into sort of bad habits. He stayed on top of them. They've improved, and it's been a big factor—not not a sexy one, not a headline grabber—but a big factor in them continuing to keep things rolling here. And uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, you know, obviously, hopefully, at some point, Marcus Cannon gets back. You get Cannon back. You get these these two backup tackles working as swing tackles or or big third tight end kind of situation. You're back on on top playing with. How money but in the interim until cannon's all right the situation's still very good and you're still winning football games the stretch couldn't have been harder prior to this during this injury and today's a tough matchup well with cameron, cameron wake but uh i think they can handle it so still look for chips today out there if you're sort of peeping if you're at the stadium looking at the edges or on tv watching those edges later in waddle may give up one or two it's it's part of it same with Solder, may one or two they've got good edge guys but Wake's length, his ability to sort of post an arm and and ride a tackle back into the pocket or just simply run the edge or even do up and under, it's as good as any of those other guys who play on better teams. And I'm talking about Von Miller. I'm talking about Mack. I'm talking about uh, Bosa's team, I guess, is a little bit comparable to Miami. But... Um, Wake doesn't get the headlines nearly as often because he's been down there in Miami, but he's every bit as good even though he's an older player. So the challenge will be just as high. We've seen them meet comparable challenges from edge players. But again, be thankful you got who you got. That's all I got for today's game. And and I don't recall off the top of my head what my specific prediction was, because you know, what score I think it's going to be is a little bit irrelevant. But I, just as a general theme, what I did on Patriots this week with Zoe and, and, and Bob Sochi, I believe I went hard. We'll just say it that way. I, I don't believe this is going to be a close game. I, there's just far too many favor uh, factors, in my view, in the favor of the Patriots. I was expecting a, a, a something like 34-ish, 10, 34-ish, 17, 34 and, and a teens teens or low low teen score and a, and a plus-30 score for the Patriots. I don't think this one's going to be close. The line started out for the week super huge. It's come back a little bit, but I think they're on to something there. I think that's that's a safe sort of prognosis on what, what this game should be like on an odds basis. So you go out there and you enjoy this game. Uh, you enjoy that you're getting relatively tepid weather. I mean, uh, uh, temperate weather. This is not going to be a an ice bowl. But it's going to be just cold enough, I think, to bother those Dolphins, and uh, your Patriots have an advantage, so that they keep the train rolling this week exciting love game day stuff love getting into this as i've just finished the show i'm now heading off to my my son lex's hockey game get to do a little morning youth hockey here on a on a sunday and then get back over to gillette and get get primed to, to watch a fun nfl weekend game here uh, in the uh, afc east i love this stuff i hope you guys enjoy the show i know this was a little different than normal but Download this thing, subscribe to the podcast either on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio. Keep out there uh, diving into this thing and sharing it with friends and family and all those social media things, and let's keep growing our audience. Uh, But most importantly, more importantly and all that stuff, enjoy this football game. Enjoy your team, and be thankful for what you got. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football Insight by football players. Night, Lucky. Night, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.